0: FaithWire.com. There is another viral video of a company trying to push vaccine passport implants on humans. I don't know why they keep doing it, but they do. Today's Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's Four and Three podcast from CBN's FaithWire. I want to welcome in. All you Daily Rundown listeners, as many of you know, we're here every Wednesday. Glad to be here. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them. That's what we do on this podcast. You can find us on iTunes. We are here Monday through Friday. Would love to have you join us. Joining me today, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire. Uh, mm-hmm. Trey Gons Phillips normally here, but he is, as we've mentioned here this week, off in a winter wonderland,
1: gallivanting,
0: living his best Christmas life now. <laughs> He is Trey is a Christmas fanatic. He has he, a, he has his tree up before Thanksgiving, I think, and uh, before it's Halloween, before Halloween. Before Halloween, yeah, yeah, it's Never probably happened. up. I'm not. I have not been to his house, but it's probably up all year round. Let's be honest. I'm
1: not even. Yeah, I'm not convinced it ever came down. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, I mean,
0: basically, Santa's elves are working at his house. I mean, that's just how it. That's just how it goes. So He would implant a Christmas chip if he could. That's what he would do. <laughs> he would. Uh. He would. He'd mandate that as president. He'd put that in as step number one. So anyway, um, what do we have coming up, Billy?
1: We, we've also got a story about this Minnesota teenager who literally jumped out of a drive through window. She works at McDonald's to save a choking woman. So we'll, we'll be talking through that story. There's some cool uh, back details on it.
0: Yeah, and we're also going to hit uh, this story that I had teased yesterday that George Thomas from CBN reported about. A, uh, a guy who, uh, a pastor who just had this vision to plant a church at a border town along the uh, American-Mexican border in Mexico. And he, it's just so crazy because he had wanted to be a missionary in Haiti. Well, a few years after he, you know, obeys this and follows this dream that he had lo and behold, God sends the Haitians to him as migrants started flooding towards his town. And they all go to church there. And you know, so many people are getting saved and it's amazing. It's amazing story. So we're going to have the details with George Thomas uh, coming Mm -hmm. up on that. So that will be in a few minutes, but we're going to start here with story. Number one, why not here, Billy, a new viral video about vaccine passport implants is reviving fears of chipping humans. I, I, this is like the third or fourth time I've seen a company really trying to push this, and I, it's like they're trying. It's like, are they trolling Christians, or is like, this?
1: Have they not read Revelation? I, I don't understand. I don't. It is <laughs> weird, right? It is. It's it is. Very
0: strange. Well, so let me go through the details real quick, and then we'll chat. All right. So, efforts to implant microchips in humans they're gaining new attention and criticism this week after this video highlighting a chip implant by a Swedish company. It went viral and uh it's posted by the south china morning post so they obviously love it uh <laughs> the south china morning post of course of course they'd be the ones to get of this but it says but here's the in this video it shows you going imagine you could you could just get your vaccine passport and just put your put your arm up and it would just beep and everyone would know that you're vaccinated it says Implants are a very versatile technology that can be used for many different things. Wink, wink. And (laughs) right now it's very convenient to have a COVID passport always accessible on your implant. Wow. Isn't that convenient? The governments have made, I mean, it's just, I can't believe this stuff is happening. Like it's so convenient
1: guys, just do it. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I can believe, I can believe it, but yes. And honestly, I'm sorry. I don't even, I just, I have to interrupt to ask this question. How do you do updates to the chip when it's inside of you? Like if you need to update, I have so many technological questions.
0: And then if they can, if, if someone can access this thing remotely, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm just guessing, you know, it's going to be a cloud. Is it a cloud-based thing? Are they going to start implanting chips with different vaccines that, well, we're just going to unleash all the vaccines on everyone now, you know,
1: We went from "Let's find our lost dog with a chip" to "I'm going to scan myself (laughs) in." Right, it'll be great
0: to let you know where your rowdy teen is. (laughs) It's also going to be great for uh, mandating vaccine implants on everyone. So, oh my gosh, yeah, we that that happened. That escalated. What's the old meme? That escalated quickly.
1: It did. It did. So, but the,
0: the chip uses near field communications (NFC) technology the same as in contactless credit cards or mobile payments. Its data can be read by any smartphone with the same technology. This is just great. Um, As CBN News reported earlier this month, Sweden has enacted new rules that require individuals to have a vaccine passport at all events with more than 100 people. 99, you're good. 100, better get that vaccine passport out. Uh, As a result, a number of Swedish citizens have opted to implant microchips with their vaccine passports into their hands. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Around 6,000 people in Sweden have had a chip inserted in their hands since 2014. So the Swedes, I mean, they're just. I didn't expect the Antichrist to, you know, be a blonde, (laughs) you know, Swede, but uh, apparently. Apparently,
1: that's that's people like Chip Api is coming out of Sweden.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, Stephen Northam, let me just go through this real quick and then we'll go. Stephen Northam, the director of biotech, is the UK's leading human technology implant specialist. And he said, in 10 to 15 years, microchip chipped humans will be an everyday occurrence. (laughs) They said no one knows the. The day or the hour, but I don't know. I feel like Stephen Northam might be tipping us off here (laughs) to an an approximate day. All right. I'm a little chippy here. It's almost vacation time. But uh, why does it matter? I mean, as Christians, obviously, obviously the imagery here is not good. It is not good. But also from a practical standpoint here, it just seems like we're opening the door. You know, aside from the whole end times, you know, eschatology there, it just seems like we're opening the door for governments to have unprecedented access to our bodies
1: well i had i tried to interrupt you a thousand times only because no, no, i'm so sorry overtake- I- well yeah. i was just so overtaken with this one question how hard is it to open up your wallet and pull yeah. out the cheap cardboard right. they gave you <laughs> that has the vaccine information on That's it? it's a great point it's and here's the thing it's like we had two polar opposite dynamics. And the pendulum is crazy. The first was, here is a cardboard that you will lose. And it has your information. It's this cheap piece of cardboard. Like we're living in 1873, or here's a chip we're going to implant into you. There's no middle ground, like a little credit card, like some, something you could scan that isn't inside of your body. It's just, it's so weird to me that people would be that obsessed with all of this COVID stuff that they would feel like they need to implant a chip. And that yeah. there are businesses that feel like they can make money off of implanting chips. You'd
0: think Europe. you'd think the recoil would be, and maybe in Sweden, they're just, I don't know, maybe they're just immune to this sort of stuff, I, to even being concerned about it. But the fact that people are just, oh, huh, yeah, like not recoiling at, whoa, wait a minute, maybe we should discuss the whole Good idea, bad idea, chip in my arm type deal. How can this be abused? Because especially in a time when we're seeing governments really abuse our freedoms. I mean, there's no doubt about it, especially when you look around the globe and you see places like New Zealand and Austria and Australia, you know, just really cracking down on anyone who's refusing to get the vaccine. And, you know, those personal liberties are just out the window. So we're living in that time. That's the context. And then you see a, a chip in the arm it should give you some pause, but apparently not for a lot of people.
1: Well, it is it is interesting because if you went back to the 1980s, and I'm not saying that this is all part of the end times, right? Like, right, right. We're obviously jo- we're talking about that. But but it is interesting, the imagery that was invoked back then, and a lot of people said, oh, this is crazy, you know, about yeah, money being not being essentially money that we hand out. You know, we have cryptocurrency. You have all these things happening that are really reflective of the claims that people had well before Certain technologies were even invented, and the chip is just one part of that that, A, you know, from an es- eschatological standpoint seems strange, but B, just doesn't seem like a good idea from a human standpoint of handing over this much power to the government, right? I mean, this is this is concerning to me. Also, like, what are the health effects of having something implanted in you that you could scan? I mean, yeah. I can't imagine...
0: No, it can't be good. It's good. No, it okay. can't be good. None of, it, none of it seems to be good, but... Um, what do we know? What do not, we know? Not we're, not just, we're, we're just the Christians over here, raising our hands in the corner, but and being well, ignored. But anyway, I'm not happy.
1: Feel good. Yeah, how, how about it? Feel good. good? Let's go.
0: Let's go. Let's story go. number two. We All got right. something a little more uplifting.
1: So we've got Sydney Rayleigh. She's 15 years old. She's a Minnesota teenager. And it's really interesting because she has autism and that's important to the story. And we'll get to why. Uh, but she works at McDonald's and she was serving customers and she stuck her head out the window to tell a customer, hey, I have the rest of your order. I'll get it to you in a minute. And she sees that the customer who has a child in the car is choking. Mm-hmm. Um, she's choking on a McNugget. And the girl doesn't even think twice. She jumps out of the window, out of the drive through <laughs> window, runs over, and starts gets the woman out of the car, starts trying to do the Heimlich maneuver. Remember, Sydney is a 15-year-old girl, and she ends up, because she's not strong enough, having a hard time. She gets somebody else to come over, and together, they actually save this woman who's choking, mm. right? Before 911 can get there they're the ones who save her and it's just this incredibly amazing story and you know the second part of this is the reaction the cops come and they actually gave her a hundred dollars which I thought was really nice they have this fund you know in the community they awarded her and Sydney said some really cool things you know about this you know, her parents were saying look you know she was diagnosed with autism when she was young and she has Um, a really good memory. And so she had taken a class. Remember, she's 15. When she was 11, Mm. she took a first aid class. I can't remember what I did two days ago, right? So she took this class and remembered that was how she knew how to do the Heimlich. She just remembered everything from that class, and her mom was saying, "That's probably why she remembered." Um, but but the cool thing with the story is that she she actually told the media, "Look, I I felt like I'm capable of contributing to society and and being capable of making a difference." And so it was really a nice story yeah. for so many reasons. Um, you know, why does it matter? It matters because a lot of us are so distracted with what's going on in our lives that. We wouldn't even think twice, and you know, we might miss somebody choking. We might yeah. not even see it because we're on our, our smartphones, right? So it was just it was a cool story. I think it reminds us that we never know when we're going to need to be used, and that a small act can really go. Obviously, it could be life saving, but it could go a long way.
0: Yeah, and and I just loved the her comment there about you know just sort of open her eyes, like wow, I, I really can make a difference. And um, I thought that was phenomenal, and you know, and the actions there because you really. I think people underestimate, they say, oh, well, yeah, someone choking, obviously to do something like that might be the initial sort of knee jerk reaction to this. But when you're going about your day and your mind is just racing on all the things you got going on, you're taking the family here, you know, this kid's sick or I've got this event I'm going to and I've got this going on at work. And you're just you're just going about your day and you're doing your stuff. It's sometimes you can just either be paralyzed by a moment or not notice Like you said, what's going on? And so the fact that she recognized it and then immediately jumped into action because the other part of that is you might not know what to do. Right. And so, um, you know, the fact that she had both the awareness and the knowledge of what to do, it's it's just really great. And I'm glad that they recognized uh, her for that. So. And
1: like the other thing, things can happen at any moment, right? I mean, she was talking about how normal the day was. They had their yeah. normal lunch rush. They had yeah. their, and all of a sudden in a split second, and I think we forget that in life, that that's usually how these things happen. Mm. The crazy things happen in a split second, and you got to be ready for that. And she was ready. She hopped right out that window yeah. and went and saved her life. So no, pretty, that's great. Great cool.
0: story there. And uh, good, good at it all. Had a happy ending, and everybody uh, is all right. So good stuff. All right. Story number three, this is the one I mentioned yesterday, and you've got a lot of people are surrendering to Jesus, quote unquote, as migrants flood to a Mexican border church, and they're meeting Christ there, and the reason this church is there is an incredible story, and I wanted to bring on CBN's George Thomas, who went there and interviewed this pastor, and the story behind this is incredible, so uh, let's welcome in George Thomas to the podcast. George, thanks for being here. Appreciate it.
2: Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, pleasure to be on.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, man, I, for everyone who has not seen it, go right on over to CBN News right now. CBN or the YouTube channel, the CBN News YouTube channel. Watch George's report. It's it's phenomenal. But George, yeah, uh, thanks, you, were, you were in Tijuana, Mexico uh, recently, and you got the story from this pastor and yeah. just set it up because it's great.
2: Well, you know, I mean initially my story guys was I, I I was going to do a piece on this place in Tijuana known as Little Haiti, right? And so my impression was that when I read about this I saw a line in I can I can't remember if it was the NYT or the or the WP, uh, WP the Washington Post uh, a little while ago uh, and and it was about the story about uh, a church that uh, had ministry uh, in this particular area of Tijuana had been doing this since uh, two thousand and eleven, and the majority of the migrants coming in were Haitians. And you know, in light of all the stuff that we saw at the southern border, I thought, okay, I'm in Tijuana. Let me do a story from the Tijuana perspective. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. my colleagues have uh, Abigail and Chuck and others have have done it from uh, other parts of our southern border. I thought, well, let's 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 go to this one place that is pretty much uh, you know, right at the border and a major crossing uh, between our two countries. And, and let's, uh, let's see what happens. So I got on the phone. I, I managed to get in touch with uh, Pastor Gustavo Banda, And uh, uh, it's uh, late in the evening uh, uh, during the week. I think it was like 10 o'clock, 1030 at night. And I get on the phone with him. His English is rather, well, my Spanish sucks. (laughs) His English is pretty good. And um, so we're talking and I said, uh, you know, I said, hey, I want to come and do a story uh, about what you're doing there in Tijuana. He's like, you know, very nonchalant. He's like, yeah, you're welcome. You know, I said, well, you know, my my piece is about about uh, obviously the, the influx of Haitians coming into the country following the uh, the assassination of their president the the massive earthquake and all the political instability and everything he says you know uh, yeah that that was a while ago uh, but now I have uh, mostly uh, migrants from uh, from Central America I said oh okay I was like okay my story is you know making a a quick exit uh, off the ramp I thought okay so what's my story here so then he proceeds to tell me in a very kind of casual way that uh, yeah, that, that he has, uh, uh, like he said, migrants mainly from Central America. And, uh, you know, it, it, he's, he's like re- re- reacting, responding to my questions, very, that like this is normal, nothing out of the ordinary. So then I said, uh, Pastor Gustavo, I said, um, uh, how many people you got in your church right now? Like this evening, right Man. now? He said, well, at last count, uh, I have about 1,100. Wow. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what? What? Excuse me? I, I was like, Wait, can you say that in English, please? Did I get the numbers right? <laughs> because my, my, my Spanish is terrible. He says, again, very nonchalantly, he's like, yeah, I have about 1,100. Wow. And he said, that's my average. I said, your average every year, every six months? He says, no, my average every month. I wow. said, "Where do all these people sleep?" He said, "On the floor, on mats, on beds." On, I said, "In your church or in you know a, a place adjacent to your church?" He said, "No, in the sanctuary." Jeez. And then I was like, uh, "I am, I, I'm doing a story. I want to come out there." He says, "Sure, you're welcome anytime." <laughs> and I tell you what, guys, uh, I, I landed uh, on the steps of this of this church, and there were hundreds of people everywhere mm. and and first i was uh, i was uh, you know i was waiting for pastor banda to show up for the interview and to give me permission to go in in fact i walked into the church and and people were like okay who's this guy he looks, <laughs> he looks like a foreigner. he doesn't i mean like uh, you know, look at this picture who's the one guy that sticks out and it's like me right because i mean obviously i blend in a little bit because of my 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 skin color but they were like wait a minute this guy doesn't look hispanic at all you
0: know
2: and uh, and they were they were a little suspicious of me and obviously they were concerned because they were you know they were women women children and so forth and there's a stranger walking in with no announcement and so forth, and I told him that I was there. I was a television reporter. And I was like, just meet to meet up with Pastor Banda. and uh, and then I was just I was my mouth dropped at all these people in this church.
0: Are these people that are there just temporarily and then until they can either get in or decide to go back? or what's the status of these people that were there sleeping?
2: yeah so basically two two categories one is uh you know because of covid and when when i was there the 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 entrance from the U.S. from the Mexico side into the U.S. was not open pretty mm-hmm. much since 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 COVID, right? Yeah. Uh, a, year and a half, traffic was shut down. There was only traffic one way coming in from San Diego, right? So it was all one way traffic, and so uh, so uh, so you had two categories. You had folks who were waiting for the borders to fully open, and then you had folks who had attempt had attempted to cross, got caught. Mm. And Mexican authorities basically rounded them up and dropped them off at uh, Pastor Bandas, and and that was the question I asked Pastor Banda. I said I, I said why can't the Mexican government take care of all these people on their own, right? Um, and he said, look, they, they don't want to. They're not bothered. It, it's A, it's very costly, uh, and uh, they they know that uh, when when they come to the church, these men, women, and children will be taken care of. Uh, and and he, he he basically feeds thousands of these people every mm. single day. Uh, now,
1: I, that, I just to stop, that was gonna be my question for you. Yeah. You mentioned, obviously everyone is there. Yeah. that's where they're staying. The logistics, and I, I, I mean the spiritual things are even more important, but but mm. this comes to mind. Mm. what are the logistics on how you even do that, how you care for and feed? that many people yeah how's he funding
2: that and stuff yeah so he's got some major backers uh, and he asked me not to go into uh, to reveal who got they you. are There's some wealthy folks in the united states who love private citizens uh who just are touched by what he is doing look he doesn't he doesn't get into the politics of what these migrants have experienced, are, go, have gone through the places they have escaped from, the conditions, the environment, and the whole politics of getting across the border. Right in terms of whether legally or illegally, or he—that—that's not his his concern. His concern is that he realized that this is a major choke point uh, for migrants coming in from Central America. And remember, you know, the, the story was initially, his heart was, both he and his wife are teachers by trade, right? But he always had a, a deep desire, a, a longing to be a missionary to Haiti, right? Mm-hmm. And so he took classes in Creole and, and French and so forth. And Uh, And and that was his desire, that he wanted to go to, to Haiti and be a missionary. And then God in 2011, through a series of circumstances, dreams, divine encounters... God tells him, "Yo, bro, <laughs> yeah, okay, we're, we're, we're gonna put a pause on that desire <laughs> to go to Haiti, and I want you to go this to go uh to, to this area of uh, of your city called Canan uh, del Al- Alacran. Now, obviously, that's 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 an Indian African American Indian trying to uh, to say a Spanish word, but <laughs> Canan de Alacran uh, is Spanish for Scorpion's Canyon. And he knew what Scorpion's Canyon." was is where it is and and god says i want you to go and build a a, start a church and he was like are you crazy (laughs) no no i want to go be a you know be a missionary in haiti and uh, so anyway so he did that in 2011 and uh unbeknownst to him and just the beautiful way god works right i mean they talk about fulfilling the desires of your heart here's this guy from 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 uh just with a desire to be a missionary to haiti uh god tells him i'm going to put a pause on that dream uh, i want you to go build a build, build a church in the poorest area of tijuana mm. and three four years later thousands of haitians <laughs> end up coming to it's his amazing. church uh, on their way to the United States, and 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 it was just a dream come true. And like he said to me uh, in, in the interview, my dream was go was to go to Haiti to be a missionary to Haiti, and instead Haiti came to him, and not just Haiti but the entire world. Because at one point, uh, shortly thereafter, from uh, thereafter, from, after making the after building the church, sorry. He, um, you know, he had Africans, Pakistanis, Iranians, uh, people from all over the world who uh, was make all of them making this dangerous journey from their homelands, uh, escaping political, religious, economic, all kinds of uh, challenges, making their way to the to the to the U.S. border. And uh, they made a pit stop uh, at uh, at his church. And some of them stayed for three, five, six months, sometimes a couple of days. Uh, But then he quickly realized that uh, he needed to create a a safe haven while they waited. Uh, And in the process, his desire was to make sure they knew the name of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. uh, introduce them to Jesus Christ. He said he had had many thousands of Muslims who came through the church and uh, you know, he just he just loved on them. And, and I, the amazing thing is like, guys, I spent two days with him and and the kids, uh, they would all run around calling him Pasteur, Pasteur. And he just he is his they loved him. Everybody did. Uh, and um, they just uh, it, it he just has a, just compassionate heart, such mm. a pastor's heart and uh, uh, and in the process, shares the gospel with them. And like I said, he doesn't get involved in the politics. Yeah, you know, and and that's
1: that's the thing because it's so easy to to diminish people down to a number or a label, you know, especially when you have political issues that are so feverishly Uh diabolical. (laughs) And Uh in this case, you know, he's just focusing on reaching people for the gospel, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Not getting distracted by not that opinions don't matter on those things. That's not his role. His role is to reach them and reach them. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, he's and he's got a captive audience there, and he's using it the best way possible. He's absolutely exactly absolutely. what the Bible says to do meet people yeah. with their meet their needs and share the gospel I mean exactly, exactly. he's doing it right
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, he is absolutely and he's the real deal you know and, and and now he's building right adjacent to the church that he started in 2011 uh, uh, one interesting story is a major contributor to this new facility he had uh, this individual based out of New York, had this piece of uh, furniture in his house. He, was, he is a well-to-do uh, philanthropist, entrepreneur. He had this piece of furniture that uh, has been in his family uh, uh, for, for a very long time and decided, you know what, I, I don't need this and went to a major, uh, which you uh, you would know if I mentioned, a major uh, uh, auction uh, outfit in New York, sold it for uh, over a million dollars, and that was just a little bit of the money that he contributed so that uh, they are now building this facility right across the church so that uh, folks don't have to be sleeping on the floor, and they will have rooms, they will have uh, dormitories, uh, and again, the idea is to uh, you know, create this refuge, uh, this place, this transit point, as they uh, 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 look for a place uh, here in the United States and their dream to come to the United States. And in the meantime, uh, he feeds them, provides for them, clothes them, uh, and uh, shares the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, with them. I mean, just incredible. It's great really? stuff. It's great <laughs> stuff,
0: George. And uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But I appreciate you stopping by and sharing that because these, uh-huh. these are the kind of stories uh, that we that edify us. That I don't know, just fill us up in in the right way to see somebody living out their faith like that and to see God providing too. Um, to rem- you know, to be- remind us. Yeah, yeah. What, what yeah. I mean, cause because I love that. I mean, he's he's like what, like you said, out out in this this kind of death valley type of a place and you just think what is going to happen out here and then you know he, nobody could have seen what was coming um but god so it's a fantastic story again i encourage everyone to go watch it go share it go see it so george appreciate you man and appreciate you stopping by
2: you're most welcome thanks for including me appreciate it thanks
0: all right george thomas thank you so much for uh, bringing us that report amazing stuff there and uh man i mean just amazing to see how god's working
1: yeah, no, I mean, I, I love those stories because you, it just reminds you to listen in your own life, too, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. All right, so we've got one more story today that we want to cover. And this one really blew my mind. I had heard about this story from Christian Solidarity International. They're a Christian human rights organization. I had received an email um, about a case they had dealt with. And just to break this down for you, this is going to be so foreign to us in America because this would not happen here. But this story happened in Pakistan where a teenage girl was kidnapped in 2019. And she was, you know, in her family home. Suddenly her parents can't find her. She's gone. And they hear from the police and the police are like, oh, she got married. So, you know, she found an older man. He's much older than her. and, And he, you know, she got married. What actually happened was she was taken from the home, abducted, forcibly converted to Islam against her will, forced to marry this man. And according to CSI, she was actually kept in this home as a sex slave and basically as a maid. And so the family, now this is a Christian family that this girl came from. So she's a, she's a Christian. So she's been forced into Islam. She's fully veiled living a life that she doesn't want to be living and her parents can't do anything about it. You know, so they end up actually going to court. And what's so crazy is the man who took her, he apparently falsified a birth certificate and the judge just looked at it and said, Oh, okay, yep, this is all good, you can keep her, and changed her age, made her look older. And so it's just an insane case. But what's so amazing is that this Christian family did not give up. With the help of Christian Solidarity International, they got another attorney, they were able to appeal, and they were actually able to win and get her back with her family, but not without a lot of trauma. Um, you know, The second part of this is what did she go through? And this is a reminder of what Christians and, and other religious minorities go through all over the world. Uh, she had five forced abortions mm. during this time, apparently. Um, obviously went through abuse and had to go for psychological help after. But the cool part of the story um, is that she actually is healing. She's in a program to become um, a beautician, essentially, and is moving forward You know, with her life. But it's just a reminder of, you know, why does it matter? This goes on around the world. I mean, this mm. girl was taken from her home. Forced into Islam, forced to be "quote unquote" married to this man. She was 14 years old when this happened. Um, it's just an incredible eye opener um, and a really shocking eye opener for all of us in the West who don't who don't deal with these things. That we need to be praying yeah. for our brothers and sisters around the world who are dealing with this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you said it. I mean, it's amazing this stuff happens. If 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 someone wrote a movie script with this storyline, you wouldn't. You'd be like, come on. This is ridiculous. Right. Who's yeah, going to believe it? It's not believable. Um, you know, it, it's insane. It's insane, and um, uh, it's just a whole other planet, basically, when you look at yeah. some of these countries, and they they take very seriously um, a lot of these Islamic Muslim families, the people who especially leave Islam and convert to Christianity. That is a huge
1: no no to many, but. Um, even for for even for those who are forcibly converted, that was shocking to hear from CSI yeah. when we talked to them about it. If you were forced into it, they still are reluctant, the courts, to allow you out, which mm,
0: that's is crazy. just sh-
1: unbelievable to me. It
0: is. It is. It's just totally shocking, and you're 100% right. We absolutely need to be uh, in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ in regions like that because of these types of persecutions that we honestly can't even you know really can't fathom. Them. No, can't even yeah. fathom it. So, all right. So that is all the time we have for today. We appreciate you stopping by here and uh, getting news from a Christian perspective. Um, As always, you can head on over to faithwire.com or cbnnews.com for more news from a Christian perspective. We will be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday.